Hi, and welcome back to From Tits to Toes. I am Dr. Michaela Rush, an OBGYN. And I am Dr. Ann Sharkey, a podiatrist. How's your week been? My week has been good. It's been, you know, a busy week. We're now into March, which is crazy and unbelievable. Isn't that wild? Like, oh gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Where did this year go already? But yeah, we're in March now. Um, Yeah, I think, well, this evening we had to uh, go get my son fitted for extreme football, which he's starting this year and we have never done before. What does extreme football mean? Like they have to (laughs) actually tackle? It's a flag football. It's a version of flag. It's a kind of a cross between tackle and flag football, but they have pads and a helmet. So... Is that his yeah. first time with like all the gear? Right, yes. So he's done flag football for a few years, but now we are um, into the extreme flag football. So it's now we have we have to go get fitted for pads and helmet and the whole shebang. So okay. this is all new for us and new territory. So I'm not quite sure what we're getting into, but we'll find out. Is he excited? Yeah, yeah, he's excited. He's That's excited cool. to see all his friends and okay, you know, play his football and. Yeah, we, we signed up for Meredith for um, soccer, so she'll start oh, that fun. in March, too. So spring sports coming up. Yeah. Oh, fun. Yeah, I think my youngest might do just regular flag football, so okay. we're going to see if that goes well. Okay. Yeah, previously, <laughs> Meredith would um, refuse to wear shorts, so she was always playing soccer in skirts, oh, and no. everyone always knew her on the team. And then when we moved to Austin... She started playing on soccer soccer shots, I think it's called. Yeah. And yeah. their jerseys are um, burnt orange, like the Longhorns. And she did it through her daycare. And I'll never forget the day I was like, why, why are Meredith like she's never wearing the jersey in the pictures? And the coach told me, he said, oh, yeah, she told me that orange is not her color. Oh, <laughs> I love her. Uh-huh. And then she suggested they get some pink jerseys next time. And he's like, I'll let them know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I think that's just their, like, actual color. Because they do it at all the schools. And, yeah, that's just. Every like, single kid wears that color. But, yeah, yeah, she was just like, burnt orange is not my color. Mm, so my color. I agree. Whatever. Maroon is we'll much see, better. We'll see how she feels about the colors this year. All right. Well, we have a great episode in store for today. We're so excited to be talking with Dr. Nicole Baza all about weight loss. Before we dive into the episode, though, we did want to spend some time answering some questions we've gotten from listeners, and we thought we'd do some fun questions today. The first question that was sent in is asking if we speak any other languages. Oh, that's a good one. So for me, in grade school, I learned German. So we always had German exchange students growing up. So I did German growing up, which most of the time in Texas, everybody does Spanish. Oh, fun. Yes. So yeah, German was the language that I learned in grade school. And then in medical school, I did medical Spanish. We went to Costa Rica to learn medical Spanish for a few weeks. And that was another whole story we might have to get into in another time. But um, fun. Yes, I love Costa Rica. But, um, but yeah, so that was um, a different experience. So coming out of that, I, I kind of call it vaginal Spanish because really what I took from it was how to take a, a history from a patient, how to deliver a patient in Spanish and how to ask appropriate vaginal questions in Spanish. So um, I call it vaginal Spanish because it's pretty much uh, only pertains to questions uh, for delivery, postpartum, you know, that sort of thing. So 
Yeah. What about you? Do you speak any other languages? So I spoke German in high school and um, it is so sad. I actually, I spoke German really well. And I think at the time we had to do this essay writing contest and I did really well in it. But now I think like I couldn't write German to save my life. Yeah. Um, every once in a while, I'll blurt out a German phrase. My husband's like, what? But um, yeah, so I, I did I did speak German pretty well. And then I picked up a little bits and pieces of Spanish. And so it's funny that you say vaginal Spanish because I know how to say like, where does it hurt? What yeah. kind of shoes do you wear? Very, very basic. Enough to get me by. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, German, German is primarily the only other language that I know. Well, and what's funny is when you know like a couple of languages, sometimes they merge together. So with mine, if I can't think of the Spanish word, then I end up saying the German word. And so I always call it, I call it Sperman. Oh, Sperman. Yeah. So yeah. It's like being a mix of both. So it's called Sperman. It's an official, it's an official dialect of Spanish and German. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. Um, All right. So we have another question and the question is, what book are you currently reading? All right. So I usually have a smattering of books on my nightstand, but actually I'm down to just one right now. And uh, this is a totally fun book. It was given to me by my sister. And it's, I guess, I don't know, like an autobiography of sorts. It's by the the Long Island medium lady, Teresa oh, yeah. Caputo. Yeah. And it's called, There's yeah, there's more to life than this. And it's it's interesting. I like it. I've never read anything like it. But she kind of talks about how she interacts with what she calls the spirit and what it's like to be a medium. And I'm about halfway through, but it's a nice light yeah. read. I like enjoy to read it. Oh, that's cool. How about you? What are you reading right now? So I don't really have a current book I'm on right now. I normally like murder mystery kind of novels and... Okay. Uh, that sort of thing. So I usually have that my, one of my good friends, one of my neighbors, Casey will, you know, kind of read one and then pass it down to me and then I'll read it and then pass it back. And so we kind of trade books around a little bit. Um, Outlander was a big one that I read and I know I was, there's so many books to Outlander and I can't even remember which one I was on, but I know I've paused in the middle of one somewhere, which is still ahead of the show. (laughs) So I'm still ahead of the show. I just can't remember which book it is, but um, but I've paused for in it for so long, I probably have to go back and reread it. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that too. Where you're like, oh shoot, I need to restart this. Yeah, got to go back. So, do you like regular books or do hard. you like ebooks? Paper. I I can't get into ebooks. Yeah, I'm, me neither. I like regular paper books. Every once in a while, I'll do an audio book, but it has to be something like pretty light and fiction that I don't have to pay close attention to because I just feel like my mind wanders when I'm listening to an audio book. Yeah. That was were fun questions. Thanks for sending yeah. those in. We'll, we'll have to do some more another time. But let's dive into this super awesome episode with Dr. Bossa all about weight loss. Let's do it. Hello and welcome back. So we're excited to be here today with our good friend, Dr. Nicole Bassa, and we're sitting in her brand new facility that opened when? Uh, we moved into this building uh, May of 2019. Okay. Pre-COVID. 
Pre-COVID, yeah. I, well, right before COVID, and then yes. um, every time I drive yeah. by, I think, oh, they had this all planned, <laughs> and then COVID happened, but yeah. it's beautiful, and Thank it's gorgeous. You. you're going to be so ready for post-pandemic oh world. Oh my gosh, so yes. that would be nice. Everyone yeah. come and check it out. Yeah. Well, we, we wanted to start with our, and an introduction, so allow you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so just a little bit of background, so I grew up in uh, Northern California, I went to college at UC Berkeley. I actually did a major in genetics. And um, then I went uh, to medical school in Chicago at Rush University. And that's actually where I met my husband, um, soon to be husband, not, he wasn't my husband at the sure. time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we met there in medical school. And then we did the couples match okay. um, out to Los Angeles. That's hard to do. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Couples match is really hard. It's so stressful. Yeah. So basically you uh, interview at different programs, typically in the same city because you want to stay together. And we had over 200 different permutations for general surgery residencies. Yeah. So it was pretty stressful. Um, But we both matched to Los Angeles. So um, I went to, I graduated from USC in general surgery, and then my husband, Dr. Abondo, who were in practice together, graduated from Huntington Memorial in Pasadena. Um, and then I did a fellowship at UCLA in bariatric surgery, minimally invasive surgery. And then we moved out here to Texas uh, 2007. So we've been here almost 14 years yeah, coming wow. this December. Okay. Yeah. And you had, neither of you had any roots in Texas, right? No. Okay. No. What sparked that decision? Uh, that's a good question. Um, that's when the hospital opened, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we came here before the hospital opened. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, at the time, the CEO was a general surgeon. Okay. So, um, you know, we thought about Austin because a good friend of mine, Carlos Brown, he was actually my uh, attending in surgical residency. He was a tra- he's a trauma surgeon, and he heads up the program at Brackenridge. And so initially, he asked us to join his trauma, okay. his trauma practice, and uh, <laughs> I was just starting my fellowship, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to <laughs> do that. So, uh, but then we looked into Austin, and he said it was a great place to live. And then we found this uh, new like position for uh, surgery, um, and then I met with David Klein at the time. He was a general surgeon, okay. become uh, CEO of Cedar Park Regional, and then the two of us decided to move out here, cool. start our private practice. All right, yeah. And I remember when we first came out here to interview, coming from Los Angeles, <laughs> you're like, they brought me to a farm field. I know, like, what's so great about Austin? Because when you take 183, you don't really see downtown, so yeah, it just looks sure. like field. And we came in at night because that's um, the direct flights were at, at night from Los mm-hmm. Angeles. And we were like so hungry, wanting to eat something. And I think the only place you're in Cedar Park to eat after 8 p.m. was Whataburger. Well, yeah. and that's a Texas classic. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was that. There was your introduction <laughs> to Texas. <laughs> yeah, I remember getting like chicken strips, and mm-hmm. I I got gravy on the side. I was like, wait, yeah. something oh, right. different. You know, in here. Chicago, they serve that with barbecue sauce or ranch <laughs> yeah, dressing. Right, gravy right, right. Is not a question. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. No. So a lot of changes. Okay. Over yeah, here. I'll, yeah, I'll never. This is a total segue, but so we moved here, and I had never been to Whataburger. We you know, you're moving and your house is a mess and you just can't cook anything. So I went to Whataburger and Keith, Dr. McSpadden, my partner, I'm telling him like, oh, we went to Whataburger. It was really good. And he's like, oh, did you, did you join the rewards program? <laughs> and I'm like, 
No, but funny you should ask. We were going through the drive-thru and the, the gentleman taking our order said, Oh, what, ma'am, would you like to join the rewards program? And I said, no, thank you. I don't think I need to join the rewards <laughs> program of a fast food chain. Um, but, yeah, so I quickly learned that Keith is a fan and, and a uh, member. Could not believe that I did not join the uh, rewards <laughs> club of Whataburger. So. You Are you a member now? No. Yeah. Oh, no. I, no, I think I've only been, I've only been twice. <laughs> it's well, then you wouldn't get much rewards then, no, I don't think, no, for that. No, no, but yeah. I did, that was just my introduction. It's delicious, but I'm like, I, I, I don't think I need to have incentive to go here more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then I will really need Dr. Boss's services. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Leading in. Yeah. yeah so we basically brought yeah. you in to talk about weight loss. So yeah. you do a lot of weight loss. You do medical and surgical weight loss in your practice. Yeah. And yeah. I know from my side of it, I hear about weight every day in my office. So patients have a really difficult time losing weight, Mm -hmm. especially after a certain age, they have a hard Mm -hmm. time losing weight or they just keep gaining and they can't Mm -hmm. back it back down. So either they're trying really hard and they just stay at the same weight and can't lose it, or they just keep gaining no matter what they do Mm -hmm. and they can't lose it at all. Or I also see a lot of shifts in the uh, shape, body shape. Mm -hmm. So a lot Mm -hmm. of fat collection, kind of more midsection, like mm-hmm. it, it tends to kind of shift sure, over mm-hmm. time too. Yeah. But, um, so you yeah. notice that more like with menopause mm-hmm. and hysterectomies, they kind of gain it more in the central. They tend to kind of gain it more centrally, yeah. uh, more in the yeah. midsection. And I yeah. think most women notice it and hate it. And they're like, it's yeah. right here. And they grab, they always grab it and like, <laughs> right, you right, it in front yeah. of me? And yeah. Like this, I want to get rid of this. tire right here. <laughs> Just make it go away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you do both medical yeah. and surgical weight loss, yeah. correct? Mm-hmm. All right. Tell yep. us about it. So I think the key thing that people need to realize is that it's actually abnormal to lose weight. And so when I see patients who come in, bariatric surgical patients, people have tried so many diets. They're practically diet experts. They, um, they don't realize that you're combating, combating your own body's set point. And what the set point is, is it's the weight that your body's been at for a while. And so your set point changes at different points in your life. So obviously you're in high school, teenager, you know, your weight is at a certain weight mm-hmm. and then you get married, you gain some weight, you're comfortable, you get to a you different set point and then the babies too, that puts on weight. And then if you stay at that weight for a while and a while is like about a year, two years, your body thinks that's your set point. Wow, so, that's yeah. So your set point um, so it can change. It's not the theory behind that, like everyone's destined to be one weight. No, it's that it just sets at certain times. At in certain your life. times so I of think your that's life. Important yeah. To talk about too. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Definitely. And so when you're at that set point, your body does not want to change. And we all know as physicians, your body wants to stay the same. Mm -hmm. It wants to have equilibrium and stay the same. And so when it senses you're losing the weight, it quickly wants to get you back to your set point. And one thing that, you know, over time, you know, and reading different articles and peer-reviewed research, basically, if you try to lose weight, let's say you start out at like 250 and you lose 100 pounds, you get down to 150. And your set point was 250, but you got down to 150. And say you have somebody who's your exact twin at that 150, whose set point is 150. And so you're like, oh, I'm just gonna eat the same amount of calories as you, I'm gonna work out like you, and try to maintain this weight. 
Well, in reality, you have to eat on average about 800 to 1,000 calories less than that other person in order to maintain that weight loss. Otherwise, you start gaining your weight back. And that's why it's so hard to keep that weight down. You may be able to lose it, but to stay at that lower weight. You have to do that for an entire year. You have to do that for over six years. That's to to reset your set point to that lower weight. So, so when you go lower, you, it's not like, oh, I'm going to set my set point in a year. You no. Six years? Over six but years. But if you gain weight, it's about a year to yeah. set it. Oh, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no wonder we're all screwed. It's easy to, to set your point higher oh. than it is to set okay. it lower. Oh, man. Well, yeah, nobody wants to hear about this set point thing. Because <laughs> that's just going to depress us all. Well, that makes it hard. <laughs> well, honestly, with bariatric surgery, you're able to reset your set point a lot quicker because the hormones that change after weight loss surgery, like, when I remove 85% of the stomach or I reroute the intestines and make a small stomach pouch, it increases hormones that make you feel full and decreases hormones that make you feel hungry. Mm-hmm. And you're able to reset your set point on average at about six months to a year after surgery. Oh, wow. And that's really the, the game sure. changer with surgery is it helps to reset your set point a lot quicker than normal. So normal what about anatomy. someone who's maybe not a great candidate for surgery, uh-huh. but still is really wanting to be successful? Yeah. Then obviously there's the medical portion of that. Yeah. So are there ways to figure out to kind of help that set yeah. point happen? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Um, you know, I mean, if you don't have too much weight to lose, mm-hmm. you know, definitely if you have, you know, 60, a hundred pounds or more to lose, definitely weight loss surgery. I okay. think I feel definitely mm-hmm. is the way to go. Um, we do have another, we have a program in our practice called ideal protein. Yeah. So that's a great program. I mean, any woman who goes on it, who follows it to a T will lose about two to four pounds a week for guys. Yeah. For guys, it's actually four to six pounds a week is what they would lose, but it's basically putting you in Mm -hmm. pretty much ketosis. Okay. And that's really the most effective way to lose weight Mm -hmm. um, is to try and cut out carbs and sugars. Um, That's really the most efficient way. Definitely, if you do that diet plan and then you eat some carbs, then you gain like four pounds automatically really quickly. Right, because all your glycogen stores come back in a second, right? Glycogen stores, yeah. You're like, okay, liver's like, give them back to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It takes, yeah. And why is it easier for guys to lose the weight? Because I hear this all the time too. I have patients trying to lose weight and like, my husband's on the same plan and they they drop pounds in an instant. And then the the females have a harder time losing weight than the males. Why is it? It's, it's basically the muscle mass. They have a lot more muscle mass than women. And so their metabolic rates are higher wow. in general. Yeah. Yeah. So, Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, um, but, but, you know, uh, and you brought up a good point about glycogen stores and why ketosis works is because we store all that carbohydrate and sugar in our liver. And we actually have three days worth of glycogen stores in our liver before we actually start burning fat. So our body likes to burn carbohydrates first and mm-hmm. sugars, and then, and then it eventually will burn fat. So what I like to kind of create an analogy is, you know, if you're eating carbohydrates, it's kind of like um, if you have money in your pocket, right? And you go to the store, you want to buy something, you probably take the money out of your pocket first. And in terms of burning calories, you burn that carbohydrate first, and then, you know, you're... Um, your, your savings account uh, uh, is actually 
I'm sorry, your bank account is actually your liver. Okay. And then your savings account is like your fat. Sure. And so before you can actually get to your fat stores, you have to burn off all that glycogen or, or money in your bank account before you can go to your savings account. And that's why you could add ketosis is actually, um, I think, is one of the preferable mm -hmm. diets and the most efficient ways to okay. lose the weight. Yeah. The key, like with ideal protein, you go through phases. I mean, you definitely want... to be my next question. So yeah. you can't do that. How I mean, do you keep really it off? not sustainable to do forever. Yeah. So then yeah. what happens? Okay, I've reached right. my goal. Now how do I transition into someone into, of a normal life? Yeah, yeah. So phase one is basically where you use meal replacements. So you do three meal replacements a day along with a meal of protein and veggies. And that's where you lose the bulk of your weight. You lose that two to four pounds a week. Okay. And then you transition to phase two, you get rid of a meal replacement. Phase three, you get rid of another one. And phase four is lifelong. Okay. And so you, it's kind of, it's interesting because I did that, that uh, I did ideal protein when we first started in, in our practice sure. about maybe I don't know, four years ago. Yeah. And I mean, I lost about two to four pounds a week okay. and it really changes the way you think about like food. Like the science is so interesting because you're like, yeah. yeah, if you can just dial it in like yeah. that and see the success, half of it is just seeing the seeing success, success too, for right? Sure. right? Yeah. Because once you can wrap your brain around the fact that, oh, this is, it's easier to stay motivated, whereas right. your patients, where you're like, oh, I'm doing all the things and nothing's happening. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. then, dang, give me the Girl Scout cookies. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, they all yeah, want the yeah. magical pill. Like they want yeah. Yeah, something. Is, they always ask, is there anything new out there that yeah. you can prescribe, or is there a new like? Because a lot of them will talk yeah. about the HCG diet, which yeah. I don't prescribe right. in my office, so I'm not as familiar with. Sure. But I know a lot of patients do it. Yeah. But I feel like they drop it. Yeah. They drop it the weight and then they gain yeah. it right back. Yeah. So I exactly. don't feel like they sustain it. Either. So honestly, when you so that when I was talking about the set point and losing mm -hmm. your weight and you have to take it takes over six years to reset, um, a lot of times you bounce back and then when you bounce back because you lost that initial weight, your actual metabolic rate actually slows. So then you end up gaining a little bit more. Oh. So then you yo-yo mm -hmm. up and then you go a little higher. You yo-yo again on the next diet. You go a little bit higher. And then over the course of like five years, Skin. your weight is higher than you were five years ago, even yeah. though you were dieting like 80% 80, 80 of the time. Yeah. So it's almost better just to, you know, try, try as much as possible you know, even on diets and everything, try, you know, to figure out a plan that's doable for you, mm -hmm. you know, for the rest of your life. Like, but definitely cutting out sugar, trying to stay away from like even fruits that have a lot of sugar, sure. like bananas mm -hmm. and, you know, anything that's sweet, pineapple, stuff like yeah. that. Try to get like berries and just trying to make little changes in sure. your life that it's are sustainable. a little sustainable. bit like, uh, I mean, I was like thinking in terms of things, but um, the glycemic index, uh, where was that? Uh -huh. South Beach, right? Uh -huh. When did they like always talk about different yeah. foods of the glycemic index? Uh -huh. And uh -huh. um, I follow all these pages on yeah. Instagram because I find it fascinating and there's such a trend towards the diet industry because there is so much false information which right. I'm sure yeah. you're, every day you see yeah. patients who are you know sadly they are willing to put a lot of money into this because mm -hmm. in some ways you're desperate to lose that weight and and you know yeah. that it's false information mm -hmm. but yeah um yeah. heartbreaking really. but I feel like yeah. all of them 
or a little successful in the beginning, but that's yeah, the problem sure. is that it's the maintenance of it afterwards. Mm-hmm. So I feel right. like any of them, if you if you do it to a T, so mm-hmm. any of the diets, if you go down, you, you drop your calories, or you sure. you know you're doing this exercise with this, or you mm-hmm. go into ketosis, but then if you don't maintain it and you right. go you back and up, and you go back to your old ways, right. yeah. yeah. So I feel like that's where the patients get frustrated the most, right? When they can't sustain it, and they may drop it, and then it bounces back, or they can't maintain that yeah. loss, you know? Right. So right. tell me what you feel about keto diets and everyone who's like, I'm going to eat all the steak and butter and cheese I want. Yeah, like I that's the part really, of keto I, that I don't like that. I love the it. ideal protein part yeah. of it. Cause I'm like so many people are like, Oh, yeah. I'm doing keto. And then it's yeah. like cheese and nah, beef and yeah. cheese and beef. And their cholesterol's yeah. through the roof. Right? Yeah. Like your coronary arteries are going to need some cleaning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, fat is kind of good to make you feel full. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, but in terms of having like bacon right. and fatty foods and stuff like that, I would not go right. towards that. Yeah. I mean, with ideal protein, it's actually low fat and then low carb. Sure. And honestly, if you're trying to burn your own body's fat, but then you're eating fat, it's kind of counterintuitive. So you're adding to your checking account instead of your right, right, yeah. <laughs> right, right. If we're yeah. gonna go with that analogy, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely, <laughs> definitely. But I def- one thing I want to make a point of is bariatric surgery and I think a lot of people don't even think of that sure because you and think it has to be for like for somebody on a who TLC has show, yeah right, right. My 600 right, right, right. Yeah. yeah no definitely and you know only one percent of the population who actually qualify for bariatric surgery get it because they're afraid of it mm-hmm. and I've actually operated on people even with lower body mass indexes you know like in the lower 30s and they are able to achieve below 25 and they just tell me that that incessant thinking of dieting and eating food and all this just weighed over their minds. Sure. And once they got surgery, it was just like they could live freely mm-hmm. almost. It, it was It's a tool. Yeah. yeah. It's basically a tool to help them lose the weight but then keep it off. I feel like they dropped the anchor. Yeah. 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 Like that weight of mm-hmm. like, oh, what am I going to eat for breakfast? What am I going to eat for lunch? Constantly I'm going to get hungry. I'm going to get a snack and this it's and that. It's pervasive in your life. It like, yeah. encompasses everything you're right. thinking Right. Because I mean, about. just even right. traveling or going out sure. to, on a vacation or doing every little thing, you have to think about every little thing that's going in your mouth and you I'm worry about it family all the time. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. If I eat this, you know, cookie, I'm going to gain 10 pounds. I can't yeah. eat this. Or I got to do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's amazing how it just frees your mind and you're not, you know, I mean, I, I really think there is a, a gut-mind relationship, and because we do remove part of that stomach, and ghrelin, which is the hunger hormone, drops, it's produced in the stomach, mm-hmm. um, it takes away that constant hunger that people have okay. when they try and go on a diet. Yeah. So. So tell us about, um, I'm sure you have um, on staff someone mm-hmm. psychological yeah. training, because that, that's yeah. a big part of it too, right? Yeah. Like there's a lot of psychology in this, and that yeah. maybe someone is not eating because they're hungry, but emotionally. Right, so exactly. incorporating that into this practice as well. Yeah. I know yeah. that you've done that, and yeah. I think that's important to talk yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that we constantly are doing is constantly try and improve our program. So I even admit to a patient that surgery is 60% of their success. We have a registered dietitian on staff. We have obviously that idle protein, the idle mm-hmm. protein coach. We also work with a psychologist who was subleasing pre-COVID in her office okay. so that she could kind of expedite psychological evals. Yeah. But not only that, one thing I'm excited about is we started this year uh, small groups with a therapist who I operated on about 10 years ago. I did a gastric bypass on him, and he does these small groups on just emotional eating. I would say 
Um, the one sabotager of any bariatric surgery is emotional eating. Mm -hmm. You know, eating for reasons other than hunger, it's because it's your best friend or, you know, you use it in times of stress. Mm -hmm. And so we have these small groups that just targets emotional eating. Um, and then we have a lot of support groups. We have support groups that meet um, once a month uh, virtually right now. We have a closed Facebook support group of over 900 of our own patients in there. And people are posting like every day, so every couple. Yeah. Such oh, a support. The support system. is so key yeah. Yeah. in this oh, whole process. Okay. So. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah. What type of surgical bariatric surgeries yeah. are there? Are there yeah. multiple kinds? Yes. Yeah, yeah, there are. So um, the two that we perform, myself and Dr. Abondo, um, are sleeve gastrectomy, where you remove 85% of the stomach. You remove the part of the stomach that likes to stretch. And that's the part of the stomach that produces that hormone ghrelin, which makes you feel hungry when the levels mm -hmm. go up. So once you remove that, ghrelin levels drop. Um, and you're making the, the stomach into a tubularized stomach kind of looks like a sleeve so mm -hmm. I think the misnomer is that people think we put a sleeve on the stomach but it's actually we uh, cut out 85% of the stomach okay. so there's no foreign body on top of the okay. stomach um, the other one we do is a ruin Y gastric bypass so mm -hmm. we make a small stomach pouch reroute um, some of the intestines usually about you know 200 centimeters or so or about about 150 on average centimeters of the intestine so um, some of the food that goes down this new pathway does not get digested. So mm -hmm. there's some malabsorption component to the surgery and then restriction by having that small stomach pouch. Um, really great for patients who are diabetics. It's shown to improve diabetes in, like immediately. I've had a few patients that have encountered that are yeah. post these procedures and it's yeah. phenomenal. It's just, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, it's just in, their insulin sensitivity in the yeah. body just improves like within sure. a week, like within a day, like the yeah. next day, their blood sugars get better. Mm -hmm. oh, wow. um, and it's good for reflux. So gastric bypass, good for diabetics, reflux. Sleeve is also good for that too. Mm -hmm. um, and um, then there's other procedures we don't do. There's something called the lap band, okay. which is putting a foreign band yeah. around the stomach. And that really doesn't change any of your so hormones. Like, for an analogy, putting yeah. a belt around the stomach, yes. basically? Yes. Is You're, it meant to stay there forever? So um, it can, okay. although a lot of times it causes problems. It could slip. Yeah. It can erode into the stomach. Mm. Um, people people can have really bad reflux, obstruction, right. causing changes in the esophagus. So you don't do that one. No, we, we don't. I was like, so clearly, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we, just, we, yeah, it exists, I, I but like, we don't do it. I guess you notice that I'm kind of negative towards it. Do you think that it's going away? Yes, okay. absolutely. What, is, um, what was the purpose of it? Is, does it yeah. give you that feeling of being full? Or? So it basically works as like, a, uh, like an obstruction. You know, like it basically clamps the top part of the stomach mm -hmm. so that when you eat the food, you physically can't eat too much at a time because it stops where that band wow. is. And uh. you can inflate it with fluid to make it squeeze more mm -hmm. or take out the fluid so it can squeeze less. Mm -hmm. um, and so you kind of steady it on the stomach by placating or like suturing the stomach on itself so it doesn't slip but then it can slip and if people throw up it can cause the stomach to go above the band and then it can also cause part of the stomach to die off mm. um, but problem with the band is that you would think it would not make you very hungry 
but actually ghrelin, that hunger hormone, increases in those patients. Oh. So it's kind of, it, it's interesting that... Had the opposite effect uh, yeah, of what it was yeah. intended for. So then what happens is um, people are hungry, but they can only eat certain foods that slide down past the band, mm. which are like ice cream, ice cream, <laughs> corn <laughs> chips with queso, you know, stuff yeah. with fat. So okay. it kind of slides down. They call yeah. it slider foods. That's what I've learned from some patients. Oh, wow. We do a lot of revisions from removing bands and okay. converting mm-hmm. them to sleeves or bypasses. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would just be weary about these kind of fad mm-hmm. sort of uh, surgical treatments sure. like the band and then there's something called an intragastric balloon same sort of fad thing doesn't change your whole hormonal structure which helps you reset your set point and it's re- it's you have to remove those balloons okay. out okay. so two procedures then you're gonna basically gain your weight back yeah uh-huh. yeah it does it mm-hmm. yeah uh, um well i had two questions one i wanted to touch on can you talk a little bit about insurance coverage are you seeing any changes in that Insurance coverage, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, um, all major ins- all insurances cover bariatric surgery. Okay. So the key thing is um, the person who wants to get it done. Um, their company that they work for has to elect for that benefit okay. for bariatric surgery. Just like OB benefits, like if they mm-hmm. don't have, the, if the company doesn't elect for it, then they can't get OB okay. coverage. So it's an extraneous thing that's kind of employer determined. It's employer determined. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so uh, you know we have sometimes patients saying, "Hey, can you write a letter? It's medically necessary." If the if the employer doesn't opt for that benefit, mm-hmm. there's no way we okay. can overturn that. Okay. So, so then it's cash pay at that point. So if then, it's yeah, not covered. if it's not covered, it's mm-hmm. cash pay, and we have a great package rate yeah. with ourselves, anesthesia, and then the hospital. Do you so. see what do you think the mix is of? A percentage? Yeah. Like how I would many say, are cash versus how yeah. many are insurance? I bet that's changed recently. I would say we have probably maybe 80 to 85% insurance, and okay. then the rest Great. is cash. Yeah, That's good. So you have to yeah. think, like, just the societal cost of obesity, right? Oh, so my if gosh, we can yeah. Stop, we could talk about it for a long time. Yeah. We could stop yeah. some of that before it ever starts. Right, You'll right. You'll save the cost-benefit oh, ratio. Although t- telling insurance about something that's beneficial for them is sort of like talking to a black hole. I know. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, like, diabetes, you have 85% resolution, mm-hmm. sleep apnea, same, right. high, heart disease, hypertension, all of that improves mm-hmm. afterwards. Oh, yeah. And so, but, you know, when you, you think about, about joint it. joint pain, arthritis. Life, all of that, that. Yeah, yeah, all of that. Um, when you think about it, the employer should make sure that their employees have that benefit because, you know, um, like absences from work yeah. due to medical issues mm-hmm. or, you know, that could be reduced. And so sure. actually in the long term, they're actually going to benefit from mm-hmm. that, even though they pay for that yeah, benefit. For sure. So. And then the second question I had is, um, what do you see post-operative in the long term? Are there any vitamin deficiencies or things mm-hmm. that they have to be cautious of? I've had yeah. some, and this has been a while, but I know like NSAID use, sometimes uh, a yeah. limited, like yeah. we'll, we'll talk with yeah, patients yeah. about things that they can or can't do yeah. post-op. Yeah. So um, in terms of vitamin deficiencies, the main thing for a sleeve gastrectomy is B12. Okay. Um, because you're not producing that intrinsic factor, which normally binds to B12 to help you absorb it. So that's the one uh, vitamin to watch out for for a sleeve. For a gastric bypass, there's B12, there's calcium, there's iron. That's all 
Iron is absorbed in the duodenum, okay. so you're bypassing that area. So all the, you know, you have reductions in mm -hmm. the ability to absorb those. So actually at our practice, we have all those vitamins set up for our patients. Literally by the time they hit six weeks, they're just taking one capsule a day. It has okay. everything from calcium, D, iron, you know, multivitamin, okay. all that. Um, but in terms of your question about NSAIDs, I think that's a really good question. So, you know, things like aspirin, Advil, mm -hmm. ibuprofen with a gastric bypass is an absolute no-no for the okay. rest of their life. That's one thing I tell the patients mm -hmm. when they're thinking about it. Can you give that up forever? Because yeah. you're basically connecting the jejunum, which is further down from the duodenum, to the stomach. And so if you're taking an anti-inflammatory, you can cause an ulcer in that jejunum, in that small intestine. And that ulcer can then pop open. Sure. That that's called a marginal ulcer. So it's ulcer. just is it because yeah. of the tissue difference between the stomach mm -hmm. and the intestine that that's easier to occur. Yeah, the tissue difference, and then also you know the bicarbonate that's usually mm -hmm. goes into the duodenum, okay. and the duodenum itself yeah. is more robust to take on those kind of caustic okay. agents. So, so never again. No. Can they for, take for a bypass? But yeah. sleeve, you can take. So it's very important, I guess, for me. Then I'll have. I'll just know to ask in detail you know yeah. which procedure which procedure done. yeah it's not um, for all of them so then it's what just... do you tell them alternative for headache yeah tylenol tylenol okay. yeah can they take enteric coated insects? no so <clears throat> so that's a good question too because enteric coated yeah you need this it to sit in the stomach to dissolve the coating around the the tablet mm. and so it's not staying in the it's stomach for very long and there's not as much acid so it goes straight through your gi tract okay. and then it may not even be absorbed at all so mm. even our patients we tell them you know you need to convert your medication if it's extended release sure. to one that's non extended release so. okay what about yeah. IV or uh, injectables like toradol or can they do that those nasal spray um, like spricks yeah, so, I mean, that is an NSAID, too. Yeah. So, technically, you know, you shouldn't. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For a bypass, sure. a gastric bypass. Just curious, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you could do, like, a intra-articular shot, mm -hmm. you know, you yeah, can steroid injection that. or anything yeah. like that. Okay. Yeah. And at our facility at Cedar Park, uh -huh. you actually helped develop the Bariatric yeah. Center of Excellence, yes. right? Yes. Yes. Is it, is, it, is it open? I saw the pictures. Yeah, so we are a comprehensive bariatric center of excellence at Cedar Park Regional. I'm the medical director, started that program you know, like 13 years ago. Um, and so um, we, you know, we've actually been a comprehensive center of excellence probably about four or five years now. Mm -hmm. And then we're all on all major insurances uh, that have their own individual center of excellence. So Blue Cross, United, which is Optum, Aetna, they have all of their own designated centers. And really, you know, before the last couple of years, the only place that had it in Austin was St. David's, Maine. Okay. So we're the only other center, Cedar Park Regional, that has all of those um, insurances. So, you know, patients come in, if they're required to be through their insurance at a COE through United or something, we can do it at Cedar Park Regional. And the great thing is our patients recover in a COVID-free floor, fourth floor, the best view probably in Cedar Park, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's nice. uh, yeah. That's fancy. <laughs> yeah, they have their own <laughs> wing, so it's really... Mm -hmm. 
pretty nice. So is that wait? Is OB up on the thir- fourth no, floor? No, we're on third. Third. The third floor is amazing as well. <laughs> I thought you was from up there. It's mother baby. Okay. Well, the third floor is all maternity. It's mother baby NICU. Okay. It's, so it's labor and delivery one side, postpartum, and um, sometimes our post-surgical hysterectomy okay. patients, yeah. all women, and then the other side is uh, the NICU. Okay. So. It's a little bit different. Not as good of a view as the fourth floor. Yeah. No, I love it. I love the fourth floor. I mean, yeah. they have bariatrics and orthopedics, and actually they just mm-hmm. opened up on the other side, I think a surgical side mm-hmm. now. So yeah. eventually. It's like, I know they were planning expansion more. for yeah. massage up there. Yeah. 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 It just opened up like a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just in time for that freeze in the blizzard so it was used yeah. as like a hotel for all right, the nurses like, oh, all the oh, yeah, I heard about that yeah. oh my gosh wow. at least it was done it had running water and electricity so yeah they, there you yeah. go they, we had they generators were. here so it was great oh my yeah. gosh um, so you had a slumber party during the freeze last week did you did you stay overnight I was here or, for part of it, yes. Yeah. So I was stuck here in labor and delivery for part of it. Oh, and then wow. I went, finally made it home, and then I had a slumber party with Dr. Sharkey's house yeah. <laughs> because ours had no power or, or you know, water. water. Oh. Yeah, so your house got down to, what, like 42 degrees or something? It was in the 40s, yeah. It was almost freezing. Yeah, it was oh, crazy. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So, so yeah, we, yeah. we made it over to Dr. Sharkey's. Nice. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah exactly. Um, I do have another question yes. for you, too. For um, medical uh-huh. adjuncts or medical weight loss, Yeah. Um, I know you do BioT as well uh-huh. here at your office, the yeah. BioT hormone pellet therapy. Uh-huh. Do you see that working well with weight loss? Do you use it in conjunction with, or do you feel that it helps yeah. with weight loss? That's a, that's a really good question. So um, the reason why we even started BioT is because we saw a lot of our obese patients having low testosterone, Mm -hmm. uh, especially male patients. And we were like, how are we going to replace this? You know, and so then we learn about BioT and it's a great program. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily see weight loss per se, but change in body composition, definitely Mm -hmm. increasing muscle mass, decreasing fat mass. Um, and obviously energy levels and their ability to exercise and have endurance. But in terms of specific weight loss, I I don't see, I I mean, you do it too. I do it too. And and that's exactly what I tell them. I say, it's not a magical pill. It doesn't melt it off or anything, but I do feel like it gives them more energy and they feel like they want to go exercise more and they do more with Mm -hmm. it. And so I feel like it's great in conjunction with other therapies like for weight loss to where it gives them that energy and, and, you know, it kind of helps with the toning as well and the muscle mass. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, yeah, then I have to kind of talk them off a ledge about muscle mass because sometimes they're like, but I'm gaining weight. I'm like, yeah. your muscle mass is increasing too, but right. like, are your clothes fitting the same or are they yeah. looser yeah. or more snug? Right, and they're right, like, right. they're not more snug. They're yeah. just, they have more muscle mass. And so yeah. their scales creeping up and it freaks them out. So yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's definitely a great adjunct. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I could tell you like the majority of people that we check for their testosterone, even in women, yeah. they're low. So, Most people are yeah. pretty low. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's all the stress. You know, we're See, I wonder with... why that is, right? <laughs> yeah. The cortisol <laughs> release, you know, during this COVID pandemic. Oh mm-hmm. our adrenal glands are done. Yeah. <laughs> Take it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had just a few fun questions yeah. that I wanted to ask you. So the first one is, where do you most look forward to going post-pandemic? Oh, man. Hawaii. Okay. Yeah, just going on the beach, relaxing, just, Mm -hmm. yeah, just getting out and... Without a two-week quarantine. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Uh, One thing, my son, he's eight, he loves um, 
uh, ships and okay. military. So going to see the USS Arizona oh gosh, you'd love it. would be awesome. Okay. So, All right. Yeah. Hawaii it is. <laughs> Hopefully soon. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite drink from the coffee bar here? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an amazing coffee bar, by I mean, the way. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, our office loves it. You know, our office yeah. girls always come in the morning, get their and coffee. I'm going to take a picture yeah. and send it to McSpadden and be like, we need to up our game. Yeah. <laughs> the curing isn't cutting it anymore. No, not enough. Uh, well, I would say the mocha. Okay. I would say the mocha. Yeah, the, the chocolate's really good. And actually, if you look at the sugar and the carb counts, it's not that bad. It's All like right. maybe five or six. Would it fit on an ideal protein diet? Uh, probably not. But... <laughs> Because you're not really supposed to have dairy, so oh, you could do the okay. black coffee okay. or espresso. Sure. All right. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, and then two more. One is where can our listeners connect with you? Yeah. So, um, you know, our website is cedarparkbariatrics.com for bariatric surgery. And I have an Instagram. It's Nicole Bassa, MD. Okay. Um, I've actually, I post some before and after pictures mm-hmm. in there. They're some actually things. pretty amazing. I was like, I follow oh, them. They're pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. And then, you know, our aesthetics, the reason why I even started getting into aesthetics is because I had some patients or like maybe five years ago or so who would say, they didn't want to lose weight because they didn't want to have loose skin. Mm -hmm. And that to me, I just, you know, it it struck a chord in me because they would get healthier, get rid of some medical issues. And they were doing, they didn't want to do it because they didn't want to have So you're compromising your health for your aesthetics. Right. Right. Okay. And so, you know, a couple years ago, we learned about different body tightening or skin tightening modalities. So radio frequency is one Mm -hmm. of them. So um, we investigated that. Um, we learned liposuction, mm-hmm. skin tightening, something called it's body tight. M-Sculpt that you have here? We have M-Sculpt okay. too. So that's for muscle building yeah. and fat reduction. Um, we actually have M-Sculpt Neo, which is... Um, so there's M-Sculpt, which is the original one, and yeah. use HiFem, which is a magnet that increases uh, muscle M-Sculpt Neo, and we're like one of three in Austin area okay. to have it. It um, combines radio frequency, which reduces subcutaneous fat by mm-hmm. about 30%. I was reading about this last yeah. night. As I was, and I'm like yeah. fascinated. I was like, sign me up. Put it on my whole body. <laughs> Yeah, you wrap the body in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you can do it at different places. You can do abs. I saw like you calves, abs, glutes, medial thighs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your so that arms. one actually builds muscle while ridding fat. Correct. Yeah, builds muscle, decreases fat, decreases diastasis. So that's mm-hmm. one thing that oh, yeah. your people have a lot of right oh, from yeah. babies. The babies, yeah, stretching yeah. the the middle part of the fascia mm-hmm. there. So it cuts down diastasis by about 19%. That's amazing. Oh, that's cool. Which is the only modality out there that can actually non-invasively reduce a diastasis. Sure. Um, and so basically a couple years ago, we, you know, got all the latest technologies for skin tightening. <laughs> kind of went a little overboard, I think. We're like, oh, oh that's once. great. That's great. That's yeah. great. Um, the bigger go home. Yeah, I guess, <laughs> I'm sure I it's guess. like it gets a little addictive, right? You're yeah, like, I'll yeah. take one of those. One of I'll those. take one of those. Well, don't you get deals uh, too sometimes uh, if you're uh, getting uh, one? Uh, no. Piece of, oh no. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, not really. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Maybe over time. I don't, I don't know. But um, we have then. Along with that, then we got some facial aesthetic stuff. I also do um, injections, so filler and Botox, because really you lose fat in your face too, mm-hmm. and your skin starts to sag. So learning how to inject so that you can like lift up those fat pads yeah. and lift up the structure of the face. Um, you know, honestly, getting into this, 
while I'm in my later half of my 40s is probably the best thing <laughs> that I know what right. products to use sure. and how to kind of stop the aging process a little yeah. bit. So. I think we'll have to have you on again just to talk. Yeah, all, all, all yeah. thing on a set. Yeah, I would love to. Because we could probably talk for another 40 minutes <laughs> about it. Yeah. Um, but it's really a one-stop shop, which I yeah, think is great. So you have create, the entire yeah. from yeah. start to finish for patients to really address all their needs. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, with that, I don't think I have any other questions. Anything yeah. else about weight loss or no? No, I mean, um, I think, you know, you know, honestly, like for bariatric surgery, because that, that was a topic we talked about quite a bit. It takes two years on average for somebody to make an appointment with a bariatric surgeon. They do research, they look online, they're scared, they feel like people will judge them. And I, I just want to make sure that, you know, your listeners understand that it's not, it should not be thought of as being a failure. You know, if you try to even mm -hmm. think about surgery, you're just making the correct steps in, to create a healthier life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have the benefit to see people before and after, and we continue to follow them. That's one thing with our program. We see them like every three months, their first year, and then annually after mm -hmm. that. We're basically a part of their family. Um, and, you know, their lives transform. You know, I, I had this lady I saw last week She's playing pickleball like no, there's no tomorrow. But when she was carrying an extra 100 pounds of weight, there's no way she'd yeah. play that. I yeah. bet that's so rewarding. Oh, my gosh. So rewarding. It is so awesome. And yeah. in the field of surgery, mm -hmm. we don't get to see that that much. We no. just take out an appendix, mm -hmm. a gallbladder, and then they don't even remember who their sure. general surgeon is. But this is definitely the one field yeah. that you can have like a lifelong relationship with your patient. Very so it's cool. Really cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for yeah. taking time. It was really Absolutely. great, and we look forward to talking aesthetics in the future. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks. All right, that's all for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. We've been loving all the feedback and the questions that we have been receiving, so just keep them coming. Don't forget, if you want to leave a voice message, just go to the link at the bottom of the description in the episode. You may even hear your question or comment on the show. And remember to subscribe so you'll be the first to know every time we release a new episode. We are super grateful for all of the downloads, rates, and reviews. These help to drive our podcast up in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Do you have an interesting idea or question you want answered on the podcast? Send us an email at tits2toespodcast at gmail.com or message us on Instagram at from tits to toes. And remember, keep your tits up and your toes down. <laughs>